Every week, we do a Q&A with interesting and accomplished members of the adaptive community to find how they persevered, how they innovated, how they built communities, and how they found solutions. Welcome to the Name Tags Chat Podcast. Welcome to the Name Tags Chat Podcast. We are with we are with Jumpin' Jay today, right? Do you still go by Jumpin' Jay? Yeah, I do. I do, yeah. Jaylene Roberts, who is a two-time silver medalist in the, in the World Championships, a gold medalist as well in the Universal Relay, but a, but a silver medalist in the long jump. She runs the 100, she runs the 200, she jumps far. She was a state-level wrestler in high school. We are going to get into that. Uh, Jaylene, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. How are things going right now? You are just about ready to, what well, you said, Tuesday? You leave yeah, Tokyo? Yeah, Tuesday morning to Tokyo, yeah. What's uh, what's the anticipation? Have you ever been on a trip this far? Like what what's going through your mind? Um, yeah, I'm. I feel ready for it. Um, I definitely have been on trips that have not this long. I've never been gone for almost a month, but um, a lot of our a lot of our uh, competitions have been have been farther. I think our farthest one was Dubai in 2019. Um, that was a pretty long, long travel day, long plane ride. Um, this one's about 10 hours for when we get to our uh, takeoff destination in San Francisco. Um, but yeah, I'm ready. I'm excited. These last couple of days, I feel like are feeling really long, but it's going to come quick. Um, long so yeah, because just, of the anticipation? Yeah. Yeah. They just like the days, the days are feeling long, but then I feel like Tuesday is going to be here. And I'm gonna be like, oh, it's here. All right, let's go. So. <laughs> and so you will do the 100, the 200 and the long jump and possibly the universal relay? Yeah. Yeah, so I have, uh, I think my 200 is first, um, and then my long jump 100, and then if I am on the relay, the relay would be like, I think the last, the last, one of the last events of the Paralympic uh, Games, so. And this is, this is your first Games, right? Your first Paralympics? Yeah, it is. I actually, I actually met my Paralympic coach, um, like, just a couple months after Rio, um so yeah I was just shy of that but yeah this is my first this is my first Paralympic Games I went to uh Para Pan Ams in 2019 um which is like a small simulation of the game so you get like kind of that like uh games vibe with like the village and um that type of thing so it gave me a little bit of a a little bit of a prep um I guess you could say but yeah no this is my first Paralympic game so I'm super excited um to see how it goes even though it'll be it'll be kind of unconventional with COVID um, but I'm still super grateful, obviously, that I get the opportunity to go and experience it. Now, how did you how did you get to this point? I mean, you're at the point now where you're going to the Paralympics, where you've been a two-time silver medalist in in I'm assuming your preferred event, right? The long jump. Yeah, yeah, definitely my favorite event. I love jumping. <laughs> Hence the jumping J part yeah. of, of your nickname. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. How did you how did you get there? So you grew up in Kent, Washington, right? And yeah, I did. Parasport, hold on, but Parasport Spokane, you ended up training with them, mm -hmm. but they're four plus hours away. Yeah. So, yeah. How did yeah, that work? so um, so yeah, so it started um high school, I ran track and uh, my junior year they started an ambulatory division um for Washington State. Um, and my high school coaches uh, told me about it and I was just kind of on the fence because I had always competed against able-bodied athletes and it wasn't my disability wasn't necessarily something that I wanted to highlight um, so I just told them like I was like no it's okay I like thank you for the opportunity but like I'm okay I just rather like go watch because I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna make it I wasn't gonna qualify for state um, running able-bodied but against able-bodied athletes but um, I was okay with that. I would just rather not run with the ambulatory division. Um, and so they like kept pushing, kept pushing. And finally I like agreed to it. And then I remember the day before uh, leagues, I was like at home and I like was like crying to my mom. Like, I don't want to do this. Like, I feel like I was pushed to do this. It's not something I'm comfortable with. And so like I wrote out in a note, um, I wrote out like this note to my coach and I like gave, I like let him read it because I was like so nervous to tell them no. Um, he's like, okay, like we respect your decision. Like it's like, it's okay. 
um, no worries, like maybe next year, whatnot. And I was like, okay, thank you. Um, and then it was after the state track meet, uh, my junior year, I was in, I was in geography, uh, and my track coach comes in and he's like, Jaylene, like, come on, come outside. I need to talk to you real quick. I'm like, oh my, like, I hope this is not about the same thing. <laughs> um, and he told me, he said, I met some, uh, have you ever heard about the Paralympics? I was like, no, what is that? Um, and he said, I met some Paralympic coaches at the track meet that have like a whole team. Um, they have a whole team and then they're, they, they travel with the Paralympic team. I'm like, okay. And he's tried, he kind of, he tried to explain to me the best that he could, um, best to his knowledge, what the Paralympics was and tried to, um, give me like a little bit of like the inside scoop. And he explained like, you can travel and you're grouped with people, um, more specifically because at the state track meet, um, it's just a bunch of different disabilities, ability levels. Um, so it wasn't really grouped uh, by gender or by disability or by severity of disability. Um, so he told me about it and he's like, yeah, like um, if you're good enough, like you can get like, um, you can get like paid through it and you go to travel and all this, all this. And I was like, like, no, like, it's okay. Like, you know, I don't know. And then he's like, well, just let me give you the, let me, am I allowed to give them your contact information? I was like, yeah, sure. Like that's fine. Um, and so David Gray, my coach now and his wife, Teresa Skinner, she's a, um, wheelchair racing coach. They had reached out to me and they wanted to meet me. Their team was coming down for me in Seattle and they wanted me to come meet them. And then they wanted to watch me, um, run. And so I met them there. My mom took me, I met them there. Um, and like, like instantly it was like this the craziest feeling like the athletes they were so nice most of them were younger than me um but like they were so nice I like never thought that I could like feel like I fit in so much somewhere and then like me and David clicked instantly and mom's like oh no she's gonna love you like you guys are the same um and he had watched me run and watched me jump and then he had called the um he had called Kathy Sellers, who was the head of uh, U.S. Para track and field, and he's like, "We have an athlete," and I'm like, "Whoa, whoa!" Like, I just, I just ran, like, uh, and so they like gave, they're like, "You have to come to the meet." They gave me like paperwork to get all signed up and get classified um, for my disability, and then um, just that next year in, I think like May or April, I went to um, Desert Challenge Games, which is which is all. Um, which is all para meet. Um, and then a couple months later, I had gone to trials for my first international competition in London in 2017. So it all kind of happened like really quickly. Um, yeah, it all happened really, really quickly. And it went from like me knowing nothing about the sport to like, now I can, now I can like tell somebody about it. I can explain the whole like ins and outs of the sport. Um, but yeah, so I ended up in Spokane uh, actually it was like a really, it was a really, really long process of them like trying to get me there. Um, I had gone to Western Washington University for a quarter. Um, it wasn't my liking. And then I came back home and then I went to out to Spokane to visit it and to train for just a little bit. And uh, Teresa was like, oh, you should apply to Eastern. I'm like, well, no, I went to Western. It's like two hours from my house. Why would I want to travel? Why would I want to go four hours? She's like, well, just apply. You don't have to come out here. I was like, okay. And then in October of, I think, 2017, no, 2018, I ended up in Spokane somehow. And then I've been there for three years. <laughs> so that's kind of the story of how I ended up there. I still like a blur, but wow. yeah. And, and when you, when you ran with David that very first day, I mean, when he called Kathy Sellers, that was that first day, right? Where he's like, we have an athlete, we have an athlete for you this is, I know what I'm talking about. This is going to be good. And, yeah. and that just started the whole, that started the whole process that got you to the world championships. Yep. Yeah. In, and I, and I had months. Yeah. And I had no idea, like coming in, I had no idea, um, like what times the other girls were running, like distances they were jumping. I had no idea what my competition looked like. Um, and it was weird because like, I was getting this reaction, like, oh my god we have such a good athlete and I'm like well like what are the other like I had no idea so when I showed up to Desert Challenge I was like well who are these girls and all these girls were like well who is this new athlete and we're like not knowing what's going on um but yeah I had no idea like where I like stood as far as like 
um, like rankings in comparison to the other girls in the United States and then also in the world. Um, but it was it was cool when I when I found out that I was that I was definitely like in the mix. Um, that was exciting. So. So can you can you tell people what is your T37 athlete? That's your classification. Yeah. Which so, is supposed to be half of your body, right? That, that yeah. half of your body is affected. And can, can you tell them what that means exactly, please? Yeah. So um, for track and field, so T means track and then there's uh, F, which is field. Um, so T37. So the 30s are all cerebral palsy um, classifications. So I think it goes from 31 to 38. Um, the lower the number, the more impaired you are, the higher the number, the less impaired you are. Um, so I sit at a 37, 37 is, um, hemipresis. So it's half your body. So, um, same arm, same leg is affected. So for me, it's my left side. Um, mine was caused by a stroke at birth. I think they noticed, um, it when I was, I think my mom noticed when I first started to walk, um, and it just didn't look normal. Um, I look at like home videos and I can definitely see it. Um, and, and as I've gotten older, it's gotten less noticeable, I would say, just because of when you're young and you're like learning your motor skills, just as an able-bodied child, um, you still don't look like completely normal when you're trying to walk. Like, um, so as I've gotten older, it's gotten better. I'm, go I'm go I've gone through like PT and stuff, but thankfully I haven't had to have any like major like corrective surgeries or anything like that. Um, and is it cerebral palsy or yeah. it yeah. is? Okay. Yeah. Cerebral palsy. Yeah um but it, and it affects the what is it the left side of your body so both your arm and yeah your, so my so my left arm and my left leg yeah so my um you can't really see like the whole but the whole image but my left arm doesn't extend all the way up mm -hmm. uh, and then my um left foot is uh, i walk on my tiptoe and inverted um but it just depends i mean some people the, the the most common thing i get is like oh are you okay like why are you limping like people think like i'm injured um, and I'm like, no, like I was just born with a disability. And then they're like, they feel so bad. And I'm like, no, it's fine. Like, no, like no big deal. Um, like thanks for, thanks for looking out for me. <laughs> My mom's laughing in the background. Um, but, uh, yeah, no. So, um, yeah, so it's actually, it's interesting cause it's a, it's rooted from a neurological, um, it's, it's a neurological disability. So it's caused by a stroke at birth. So my right side of my brain. So it affected the left side of my body, which is interesting. Um, but it's like, I've learned so much about it since I started uh, paratrack and field, my coach, um, he's, he's worked with a lot of athletes with cerebral palsy. And so he's like very well-rounded as far as like knowing about it and knowing how it works, knowing what like training is best for them. Um, but it's just such a like broad spectrum there's some people with cp that um they can't like speak or eat on their own and then there's people that are even more um functional than i am so there's like it's such a broad so people will meet me sometimes and uh, they'll be like oh my family member has cp but like they can't like they need they need like uh, they can't talk like uh very well or like they need assistance eating and i'm like well yeah we both have the same disability but it, there's such a broad spectrum um and you can like and that's the thing about sport and um paralympics is like you can only narrow it down so far um because you would have like a million different classes not only for cp but every every um disability that that is involved in the paralympics you can only narrow it down so far because there'd be like one athlete per, per class. So exactly. So you started in 2017, you went to the world. So I mean, this is like, I mean, you kind of basically went from running against able-bodied athletes to suddenly running at the worlds against people you know, on a, on a relatively level playing yeah. field. What did that do? Did, I mean, did you, did you suddenly look and go, okay, well, I've been running against people who are faster than you so I'm more prepared, or this is nice to finally meet my people. How, how did, how did it look for you when you finally got there? Well, I wasn't, I would say I like, I wasn't really um, aware that there were like athletes with, or like, yeah, people with cerebral palsy that like ran, like, I guess, <laughs> um, like I didn't, that wasn't like a normal thing growing up. You just didn't see like um, students and athletes that had disabilities like just on like sports teams um, but it was cool to see like oh my gosh like these girls that I'm competing against like worldwide like they have 
they have the same disability as me um and like they're doing the same thing um and it was cool like seeing the competitive nature because i'm i'm not I, i'm glad i didn't come in and i was like um i'm glad i didn't come in like on top um because like it's it's allowed me to like realize that there is competition that like i have to work towards something um but but it's cool also like being in the mix i mean going back and forth i know in 2017 um in our race i had me and uh a french athlete we were in different heats for our preliminary race and uh in the prelim her prelim time beat my prelim time and then in the final race uh I beat her by like 0 0.01. Uh, so we were, we were, I remember we were both looking, I have a picture. Um, it's like one of my favorite pictures cause it's so funny, but I was looking at the, uh, the big screen, like, and it's, it had first place down, it had second place down. And we knew like it was either one of us because we basically crossed the line at the same time. And I look, I'm like looking up there and I look like I'm like about to cry cause I'm like so nervous. Um, and then, yeah. And then like this last world in 2019, like she, we, I got fourth, she got third. Um, so oh, you flip-flopped. Yeah, we flip-flopped. Yeah. So it's, uh, so it's definitely like interesting to see like, and, and it's like, if you watch races, if you watch our races, like in 2017, 2019, it's like, we're so close when we're running um, up to the line, uh, which I like, I like having that like competition. Uh, it helps me run faster when I'm, when I can like, you can see them in your peripheral, like everyone that's like there. Um, but yeah, it's so cool. And then like, uh, like seeing girls like me long jump too, like that's awesome. Uh, especially cause that's like, that's my favorite event. Um, Why is that your favorite event? I don't know. I think it's just like some, I don't know something about, cause it's, I mean, it's running, you get a run also, you have to run down the runway and you still, you need to like, you need to be fast. You need to have speed um, for it. But I don't know. Something about just like flying in the air is just like I don't know. I just love it. Like it just it's like an unexplainable feeling. But just like flying in the air, the sand isn't like great. Like getting sand all over you after track meets, I like feel gross. Like uh, after my track meet yesterday, I like went out to dinner with my friends, and I was like, I just look ashy. <laughs> like it's just like it's just so sandy, but. Um, no, yeah, I just, I like, I like flying in the air. Um, and, uh, I think, I don't know. I just, I think like field events are like pretty special just because a, a lot of like track and when you initially think about track and field, you just think of running. Um, but I think sometimes people like forget that there's like other, there's throws and there's jumps also. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a lot more, um, it's like it's 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 more technical i feel like because you have that that jumping piece too um and just like i love the sound of the the board if you, when you hit the board um you can like hear it like it's different than like the track when you when you're like running on the track um so when i those are usually my best jumps when i hear the board when i get on the board and i jump off of it those are my best because i know like okay i hit, I hit my mark and now i just need to like have good form in the air um but yeah, no, I've always, and it's, it's funny because I haven't always liked long jump. Um, I did track in elementary school and I was terrible. I was terrible at it. Like I didn't, I was like, why did I choose to do this? And then um, once I got up to middle school and high school, it like became something where like when I practice it, I'm at practice for long jump. I like tune in. I'm like very focused. I don't want any, like I, I'm like, I listen to the cues. I try to follow the cues. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just like different. I just get in my zone when I'm jumping. What do you do well? So you're a jumper and you're a sprinter. Like what parts of the competition are really, are really your strengths? Like, is it the run up to the jump? Is it the start in the hundred meters? What do you, what do you do well? And what do you have to work on? Um, so I guess for jumping, um, I'm still, I'm still like, I'm still, still working on, still working on it. Um, my, it's my approach up to the board that I'm, that I'm kind of working on. Um, my, my form on takeoff is, is pretty good. Um, but I think that, I think that it's, it's very much so like a, a mental game. Um, like I said, like if I hear the sound of the board, if I know that I like hit it, then I think my jump in the air is going to be better because I know I'm not like, a foot behind the board because that's taking away a lot of my jump 
Right. Um, and so, yeah, so I'm, I'm still working on my approach a little bit. Um, and yeah, for my, uh, for my running, I've been working on my start a lot. So that like first acceleration phase, um, coming out of the blocks is really good. And it's just, uh, it's just staying relaxed. Um, I tend, if I, if I'm on a two, especially with a 200 meter, since it's on a curve and, um, depending on what lane you're in, like people will pass you immediately when you start. Um, when I like get past, I'll tend to tense up. So I'm still working on that, but, um, yeah, my, I've been, I've been working on my start, um, my start, and then I've been working on my approach. So kind of the same thing for both running and jumping, just like my, my initial run. Now with your, with, with cerebral palsy, is, is that something that's more, that's more pronounced? Are you more likely to tense up? I mean, it's just, is that what your body does naturally and you have to sort of try to find a way to override that? Is that one of the problems or? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, so my, like, I have like, my muscles on my left side tend to be a lot tighter, um, just in general. And, uh, my eighth grade year in track, my second track mate, I actually uh, have had an avulsion fracture in my left hip. Um, and when I tell, when I tell people about it, like, oh, like, were you hurtling? I'm like, no, like you wouldn't want to see me hurtling. It would look terrible. Um, I just tell them like, I was just running and it just like, it just like broke. Um, and they don't know exactly, like they can, they don't know the exact cause of it, but they're like almost certain that it was because just because like my cerebral palsy is on that side and it's just, everything is just tight. Um, so I try to make sure uh, to like do a lot of dynamic stretches before I race and afterwards, like after I've done a dynamic cool down, I'll like stretch um, because it's like, it's, it's, it's already so tense, especially I used to run the 400 meter race and um, any CP athlete that does like even a 200 by the end of the race, like we are so tense. And like, you can, like, it's very like pronounced. Our cerebral palsy is very pronounced um, because your body just like tenses up and then that just makes like your CP like 10 times worse. Um, the more tired you get at the end, yeah. which is yeah. the part for everybody, right? I mean, like as you're approaching the finish and 200, the 400 is maintaining your form. Yeah. As you get tired, but for you, that form is more pronounced because of the cerebral palsy. And because in some ways you get those muscles that are, that are opposing each other, right? That are opposing muscles where you're, you're working not only against like the force of gravity and the track, but against your own muscles too, right? Yeah, yeah, because my, um, so when I'm running, your, my right arm is going straight and my left arm goes like across my body. Mm -hmm. um so just like it's like uh countering that kind of and like just you have to like think about the compensation of like each side of your body when you're running um especially with the curve uh because mine's on my left side so it's like on the inside of the curve always um but yeah you just have to like think about the 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 compensation of it and that's why i i do like a lot of uh I do a lot of like therapy too, like Cairo and like exercise therapy massages and things like that. Um, just to make sure that I'm like staying like fresh, staying like loose and getting like pain areas worked on um, as they come. I think it's like more common when you have any type of disability to have like different issues with like pain and tightness and things like that. Um, yeah. Cool. Now, Okay, we've been talking about track. I am curious about the wrestling thing because you started, you did track as a kid. Mm. You also wrestled as a kid. And right. track in some ways makes sense. Does wrestling make sense? What got you into wrestling? How did you, <laughs> how did you say that's what I want to do? Um, actually, kind of a funny story. So I, in seventh grade, I made the basketball team and I'm pretty sure it was just because I could do the conditioning because we had like a try tryout for like conditioning and then tryout for like uh ball skills and yeah so I made the team and I was like benched almost the entire season because I just could not like get the sport down like it's fun to watch I know a lot of people who play basketball um but like me personally I just could never get it down and so after the season was over I was like well what am I gonna do in eighth grade because I'm not the type of person that wants to like sit 
like if I'm playing a sport like I want to play I want to be like active in it um and so uh so one of my classmates she was like oh I'm gonna do wrestling in eighth grade and I was like no you're not like you're lying she's like no I'm serious and I was like okay well then I'll do it too um and so my mom was never like opposed to it she was just like okay like you can do it um and so yeah I did I started wrestling in eighth grade um I beat some boys I made some boys cry it was kind of funny um and then I just I don't know I liked it so I just stuck with it in high school um I did gymnastics in middle school also um but I it was the same season as wrestling in high school so then I just decided to um to just stick to wrestling because I because I was I was good at it and I liked it it was fun for me um so yeah so then high school I ended up playing uh doing soccer wrestling track soccer wrestling and track and what appeals to you about the rest because wrestling is it's just a tough sport I mean it sounds like physically you said you had the endurance and the the, the physical side for basketball, you know, that, that, that they looked at you and said, okay, you know, you can do this part, but like wrestling is just tough. It's like, it, it's amazing how long a minute, a minute and a half can be when you're wrestling. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just like it, the practices were hard and it like, it was a lot of hard work, but it was, it was just like, I don't know. I just loved learning the technique, like the technical part of it. And like seeing from like eighth grade to my senior year, how much I had improved and how much like more um, offensive I became. I was like a really defensive wrestler in the beginning. I would like never take shots. Um, I was like scared. And then by like my senior year, like that's what I did. Um, but yeah, I just looked forward to like the tournaments. We would go to tournaments like almost every weekend during the season uh, we'd go to like holiday tournaments we would have like practices on breaks um so that 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 was difficult sometimes like um having like if you need I never had to cut like a substantial amount of weight just because I'm already small but um I like if you had like Thanksgiving some some of the guys would like not get to eat like <laughs> like a full meal or like they'd have to go run a mile like before they ate or whatnot um, but yeah, we practiced like throughout like breaks, like throughout Thanksgiving break, throughout Christmas break. Um, but yeah, it was really just the tournaments that like when practices got hard or like when, because our coach would, uh, he would definitely like make us like keep us accountable for like if, 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 a, if a wrestler like got in trouble during the day at school, the, the teachers like know their coaches contacts and vice versa. And so like they'll tell the coach like, hey, this like your wrestler did this today so we'd have to like run lines like down the gym um and but yeah no I just I just kept doing it and I liked it. I didn't mind because I knew at the end of the week then we'd have a tournament that we would get to go to um and and then in high school I liked it especially because it went from middle school to me like wrestling guys I think I wrestled one girl in middle school like at one of my final meets um but it went to from wrestling like, all guys in middle school to like mostly girls I mean wrestled a couple guys throughout my high school career um so that was fun too like I never knew that the wrestling community was so big um especially in I wrestled in uh, the Seattle area but in uh in like central Washington it's like really big over there and the girls are super super good um so it's it was fun getting to wrestle like some some really talented girls how did that work like with your left arm and things like that were you able to to really grab or what were you, what was your technique? Yeah. So like, I have like, uh, I have like some dexterity in my like left hand. Like I can, I can grasp. Um, cause some people with cerebral palsy, their hand is like enclosed like right. all the time. Um, but I can grasp. It's just like the dexterity of this is like one of the things that we do when we get classified. And so it's like a lot slower on my left hand. Okay. Um, but no, I mean, obviously like my strength on my right side was like, very like way different um but no I mean I don't know it just worked I did I was just able to like probably I I, I definitely like use my right side more um and that's just an everyday life and um but yeah I was just able to make it work and it was interesting because like my first like probably my eighth grade ninth grade year of wrestling I pretty much just like well I was learning the technique I just like muscled people um 
and then once girls once you get older and girls start getting better then you have to like actually use technique because it's going to be technique over like muscle if like girls are smart so now i've read that you want to be a middle school teacher and wrestling coach is that is that true yeah um so i'm finishing my final uh quarter of college in the fall um i'm gonna be i student taught in the spring at a high school in spokane um and then i'll be doing my final uh quarter of student teaching in san diego um and i yeah i taught high schoolers um i like high schoolers uh there was a few few students that were like ooh, like i could see how i could see how you get you push your teacher's buttons um but yeah i haven't i haven't actually taught middle schoolers yet so i think like i think i would like middle schoolers um that was my favorite like one of my favorite teachers was my eighth grade pe teacher um and so maybe i just like base it off of that um, but yeah, and then, yeah, I want to be a, I want to be a wrestling coach. It's just a matter and a track coach, of course, but it's just a matter of, um, since I am an athlete, like that's like, it, the times are very like conflicting for that. Um, because depending on who I train with, um, some coaches train like during the day. And so I can't, uh, like I could be like a, I could be a coach, but maybe not a teacher and then vice versa. Like some coaches train it in the evening. So I could be a teacher, but then I have to go to practice right after. So it's just about like, it's just, but it's definitely something I want to do like after my athletic career is over. And I don't really know when that will be probably not at least for like, probably not at least until after 2028 when the Paralympics happen in Los Angeles. But um, yeah, so after, after my, after my Paralympic career, I definitely want to get into some type of coaching or maybe, maybe even like para coaching somewhere. Um, why why coaching why teaching why coaching is that just uh is that who you are what it, what brought you that way um yeah I've actually wanted to teach I knew I want I know I wanted to teach uh since second grade so it's interesting when you find I think it's interesting because a lot of people um like when they're younger like oh I want to be a doctor I want to be a firefighter or, and then like it's just not like it's something completely different but yeah uh, I've wanted to teach ever since I was in second grade. My my second grade teacher, I loved her, and she I remember she was like obsessed with M and M's. She like gave us M and M's when we like did something good. She had like a whole bunch of figures around her classroom, um, and like I would just not sit still. I was like always out of my seat. So she called me the Wanderer, and she like made up this whole song. Um, and yeah I just had like I don't know I just loved her. And then when I got to fifth grade, that's when like my plan to teach and my like passion for teaching I think was like very instilled my I, I had a lot of um I had a lot of anxiety and depression and like to the point where like I would not want to go to school because I'd want to stay right next to my mom um and my teacher would like she would skip her own lunch and like just eat lunch with me in her classroom and like just talk talk to me about like you know like what what's going on like talk ask me what type of things like she can do to make me feel better um, she actually let me teach a couple lessons like in her class, which was cool. Um, and so, I, yeah, I wanted to be a teacher ever since then. It, the what I wanted to teach and what grades has changed a little bit throughout. Um, but yeah, I've always known I wanted to be, be a teacher. And then I just um, and then kind of like coaching, too. I just love I don't know. I just love sports. I feel like when I can't do it, like, why not? Like all, you know, like all these coaches like high school coaches and especially parent coaches like um they don't like they don't do it for money it's not and like teaching also um and I've never really been like money driven um I don't think it's worth doing something if I don't like it even if it makes even if I make a lot of money doing it um so just like more of like a giving back um and I get to like it's it's fun because when new athletes come into the program or with our younger athletes um I'll like kind of help my coach sometimes or like, or I'll practice, like I'll, like I'll have a teammate who like um, is doing a jumps practice with me and I'll be like, oh, like I noticed like this. And then he'll be like, oh, I was just going to say that. So like, I'll like, pra I'll like practice with like watching and cues, especially if I'm like not practicing for like an injury or whatever, if I'm like off that day. Um, but yeah, so I got my, I'm getting my, uh, my teaching certification and then also uh, I have a coaching minor so 
I did like um, several courses, like for coaching um, specifically. So it's not like an endorsable minor, but it just, it's helped me to like gain more insight on like what being a coach means and how to help me be a better coach for athletes. Well, it sounds like both the teachers and the coaches helped you through your most difficult times. And it sounds yeah. like that's what, that, that's what they gave you and what you in turn want to be able to give to the next generation, like yeah. choosing coaching and teaching. Yeah, absolutely. So you, you had some difficult times during COVID though, right? And COVID hit everybody in such a crazy way. Yeah. And, and the uncertainty, what happened to you when, when they said that they were postponing the games? Um, yeah, so it was like March 2020 was like a very, very crazy month for me. Uh, a lot had happened. I, so yeah, so I, uh, that was around the time where I had like, uh, was already going through like a tough time with my depression and I had stopped taking my medication because I didn't feel like it was working. Uh, I was kind of like in this like flatline state, like wasn't like, I wasn't like super, like super, super depressed, but I wasn't like, I did, I just felt kind of like numb. Um, so I stopped taking, I stopped taking my medication. Um, How long have you been on my medication? Oh, since like eighth grade. Okay. Yeah. Since okay. I was, since I was probably younger than that. Yeah. Um, and I had, then I had found out that school was going to be online and I'm like a very like social talkative person. Um, and I did not like the idea of that at all. Um, so that was like, that then took like a hit. Um, then I went through a breakup, um, and that was really, really hard to cope with. And then, uh, I've had fun of the Paralympic games were, uh, postponed. And that was like, kind of like the, that was like the last straw as far as like me, like being able to like keep myself afloat. Um, I, I like took that like very hard. I had been like training for that for four years and everything else in my life like seemed to be falling apart and that was like the only thing I had left and then like that was ripped from under me also um and so yeah I took it really hard and I like I didn't want to talk to anyone I like shut everyone out I had like media like reaching out to me like the day after and I was like look like I will talk to you about it I will do an interview but like please like give me some time um my uh, team at, in in Spokane Parasport, um, they the coaches were really really good about making sure that like athletes uh, stayed active and stayed involved. Um, but I did not want to be a part of that at all. We did Zoom workouts. I was like, nope, I don't like this. Is not what I signed up for. Like, I do not want to do this. I'm like, now the games are like postponed. What am I working for? I'm not working for anything. I don't want to do that. Um, and uh yeah and so I just and then finally I like was talking to media and doing interviews and like acting like I was like I was fine and I was still like I was still like super like depressed going through like a really bad um depressive episode and then finally one day I like I called my mom I did not know what to do I was like mom I feel like I'm like in danger like around myself um and I don't know suicidal yeah, yeah, uh, very, very bad and very seriously. Um, and uh, she kind of like went into a little bit of a bit, bit of a panic state because she's four hours away and I'm in Spokane. And she's like, "Well, I don't know what to do. Like, what?" She's like, "Can you go to your coach's house?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, I can do that." Um, so I drove there and I was like, "Hey, like, I need, like, I need help." Um, and they're like, "Okay, like, how can we help you?" And I'm like, "No, like, like actual help. Like, not like a conversation with somebody. Like." I need like clinical help. Like I, if I, if not, like I'm not going to be around much longer. Um, cause I didn't feel like safe with myself anymore at that point. Um, and so we had talked and we decided, I mean, we, I had discussed my options with them, but then ultimately I had decided that the best option for me was just to go, um, to like inpatient, uh, just like a psychiatric ward. Um, and so I ended up going there for like three days. Um, I had gotten re-diagnosed with bipolar disorder um, and had gotten on some new medication. Um, 
I remember the day that I got out of there, I went straight to the counseling agency. Like I got a psychiatrist, I got a counselor. Um, and then from there, there were still definitely some like ups and downs uh, and some like really bad, like really bad downs toward the end of last year um, when they put, had put me on like a additional medication um, that like did the complete opposite of what it was supposed to do. Um, oh, no. And now it's, it's kind of, it's level. There's still obviously some good and some bad days. Um, but I feel, I feel stable now. I feel safe with myself now. So I guess that's good. Um, but yeah, no, that was like, I would, I never want to relive that. And I would never like wish I fell on anybody. Um, it's just, it's just definitely a scary feeling. So I'm sure. Was it brave for you to check yourself into a psychiatric ward or how do you, how do you look at that? Was it just necessary or was it, you know, did you have to overcome the stigma of going to it in order to go or were you just saving yourself? How did it, how did it work? Yeah, no, I mean, I think like, I think it, I think it's always brave when somebody can like admit that they're not okay. And I think a lot of reason why I'm so open about my mental health and my, my, my journey with it is because I don't ever want anyone to feel like they're the only one going through it. And I want, I think that more people need to speak up about it um because it's it can be so stigmatized and people just react um so negatively uh towards it um and so I know that I needed to do that and that was like that was for me that was for my family um there was a point where I was like I, I remember I had went to the um when I went to the emergency room they had they had like took all my belongings and uh because I went to the emergency room and I just told them like hey this is how I'm feeling like um and they asked me questions about it and then they like they put me in like the psych ward like area in the emergency room before I went to the actual hospital and um I remember in the like you're in this outfit like I was in this like like this is like orange outfit and I'm like sitting crisscross on this bed in the hallway like just quiet I'm not talking to anybody and like there's these other patients around me that are like like going through like I don't know mental breaks I guess um and but I was just sitting there very quiet like I wasn't like lashing out or anything like that um and so at that point I had thought like I don't know like do I need to be here like I don't Am know I okay yeah yeah like am I like like you know like I don't know like and so um so then I had to like talk to the social worker and all that and I went to the psychiatric uh, hospital and like it wasn't like that at all like people there were just like me and just like struggling like a lot of like younger adults or teenagers just like struggling with the same type of things that I was um but yeah, no, I am glad that I went. I think I needed it. I don't know if I like would be here or like where I would be, what I would be doing. Um, Cause it came to a point where like, I didn't want to run track anymore. And I like had like lost my purpose, lost my motivation. Um, and I'd had a conversation with my coach and he like kind of reminded me of my why, why I, why I started track in the first place and why I like keep doing it. And more than just like, more than just because I like to compete in the medals. Um, but yeah, no, I think, I, I think it's, I think it's brave when people are able to admit that they're not okay. And, uh, I think it's important that people, uh, speak up and reach out for help. Um, because yeah, it's not something that I would want anyone to continue suffering with. You had, you checked yourself in, what did you then have to do in order to get discharged? Cause it was only a few days that you were there, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was only there a few days. Um, so we had gone, we had like a pretty structured program. So we had gone to like a group, um, like every day we had gone to like different groups about different like subjects. Uh, and we like took like notes, we had conversations and then like we had some free time. Um, we had an appointment with, uh, the psychiatrist every day. Um, and he would like, he put, either he kept people on their same meds or like he put you on like different meds and re-diagnosis. Um, and then he would like, they would ask how we're feeling, like checking how we're feeling. But I will say that it's, uh, it's kind of just like a, it's like a, mm, 
I guess like a nice break so it is like you do feel like better when you're there because you don't have like all this outside pressure you don't have to deal with like what you deal with on a daily basis um so like you still have to like work at it when you get out it's not like you're going to be in there and then you get out and it's like okay like I'm fine um it's definitely still something you have to work at but I think that's a I think it was like a good like first step and push because I was so lost I did not know what to do like I had no idea what my next step was going to be um and so yeah so I that was just like the first like little step that I took and then I think that was like a good push to get me on my like journey of like mental healing um and you're talking about the subjects like what would the what were the subjects like like is this how you know about about your why like what's your what's your greater purpose is it about like treating yourself well those kinds of things like are those kind of the the uh, subjects that you were going through or what were you going through for yeah uh, uh, are you talking about the hospital at the hospital yeah. yeah so there were just different there was just different um different groups like there was a group on um relationships so like figuring out like um like what a healthy relationship looks like what like a codependent relationship looks like um and like going through that uh because people are there for a whole bunch of different reasons um not everyone is there for the exact same reason um and so yeah there were like groups on that um there were groups on like self-care how to like uh like positive healthy coping mechanisms for when you're like uh feeling different emotions um there was groups on uh like cognitive like behavioral therapy techniques um yeah just a bunch of different ones and there I still have like I still have my packet from like being there um but and then some people stay there for like three days some people stay there for seven days there's also like longer ones that you can go that like um that they have available for people who like need like a much longer like treatment um but yeah did, I really liked it what did you think when you saw Simone Biles uh taking a step back taking a step out of her her performance in the gymnastics for her mental health what did that what did that say to you yeah um I think that I think that she's the only one who knew like the situation that she was going through um and nobody really knows what was going on in her head um and if that's what she felt like was best for her then like props to her for doing that um and I think that's I think that's something too that um is interesting is uh that like nobody knows what's going on in somebody's head um and so so you don't you nobody really knows how bad it is or how like what it's about and some people are really very closed off um about it and so yeah if if that's you know if if that's what she needs to do then um that's what she needs to do for herself and I think that's I think that was that was brave of her it's scary when you have to like admit that like you're not okay to like the whole world especially at her level um especially how um big of a platform she has you know um yeah and, and it's hard it's hard to sometimes because I feel like um I feel like people have such a hard time believing people that do struggle with that because sometimes there's people that um, like just like throw like the mental health card out like left and right. Um, so I think it's hard, like some people have a hard time believing that someone is struggling with something because people will say like, oh, I'm so nervous about this test that I have to take. Like who have so much anxiety? I'm like, well, no, it's not anxiety. That's a normal feeling to have, um, you know? Or what do, you, what do you say to those people who who are saying that that performing on the on the highest level as an athlete is is dealing with that pressure, that anxiety, that worry on on that biggest stage? What do you what do you say to those people who say that that's that's what you're supposed to do as an athlete? Is it is the performance separate from the mental health? Um. I don't think so. I don't know. Um, I feel like, I feel like it just depends on how, like, like I said, like what you're dealing with and like, no one can really gauge that for you. Um, I don't know. I have, I have competed through some like very tough losses, um, of like family members and friends. Um, 
I've competed when I wasn't like in a good mental state at all. Um, but I guess I just like, I guess it's just as much as you feel like you can handle. Um, and yeah, I just don't, I don't think that anyone like really gets to decide that for you. Um, but yeah, I think it's just, yeah, I don't know. I think it's just a matter of, um, how much you can like bear on yourself, I guess. Um, I don't know. I like for me personally at this level of competition, like I've made it so far that like it would very, like it would really take something like drastic for me to like not compete. Um, like, I don't know. I just feel like at this point it's like, yeah, you can be going, you can still like work through things while you're competing um, or while you're like prepping um, in order to get to that level. But yeah, like for me, especially like my first, like my Paralympic debut, like I, um, yeah, I'm going to like, I'm going to continue to work through my struggles while I, while I train and while I compete at the games um, because it's something that I've like worked towards for so long. So yeah, exactly. Now, it sounds like you you had, I mean, you had a really difficult time during COVID. Yeah. It also sounds like you emerged from it stronger. Do you feel stronger and better prepared, both in terms of your athletic performance, but also in terms of your, your place in the world? Um. Yeah, I would say, I've, I mean, I've definitely had some some more setbacks um, since COVID. Um, and I was able to kind of get through those. I, I went through another really bad um, depressive episode, like from December to January. Um, and I had, I remember I was talking to like this one friend about it. Um, and we kind of like made this like deal, like, you know, like trying to like keep each other here because at that point it was like one suicidal friend talking to another suicidal friend, trying to convince them to stay here. Um, which doesn't necessarily like work out the best um, it's not like it's not I definitely like recommend like like obviously you can vent to your friends and things like that but in that situation like I definitely recommend like professional like clinical help um but yeah I was like going it was another rough time uh where I call I my go-to is like to call my mom I just don't know what to do I'm like mom I need help um and that was a point where in December where I uh actually like relapse on self-harm. I self-harm a long time ago. Um, and I just got bad and it's like, it's like nothing like hurt anymore. Like I was just numb. It's like hurt myself. It didn't hurt. Like I just, I just didn't have like any emotion. Um, and I, I would talk to my friend and she would, she would text me, uh, when we were going through stuff and we had kind of made this deal, like, okay, if you don't do anything to yourself, I won't. Um, and then actually just, uh in may that same friend uh ended up committing suicide uh so i've been dealing with that um so that has definitely been um a struggle um but i know that she was so excited she was so excited to watch me compete um and she wanted to make shirts and um, so I had my, I had my Tokyo send off party a couple weeks ago or a month ago, maybe. Um, and I, we have like, we blew up these huge pictures of her and, uh, I take her to like all my events and stuff. Um, I have a necklace with her ashes in it that I wear. Um, so that one has been hard, but like, that's just one of the things that I'm, I'm pushing through because I know that she, like, she would want me to go to the games. Um because she was so excited. Um, she was one of the most excited people for me to go, to go. Um, and before COVID happened, um, and before no one was allowed to go to the game, she was kind of like saving up to go to the games, um, to come watch me. Uh, so yeah, so it's just like, like stuff like that. So overall, yeah, it's gotten better, but I've still like, I think that there's always going to be setbacks in life. Um, and it's never going to be, I don't think it's ever going to be like a smooth ride. It might be for a little bit and then you'll have big ups and you'll have big downs. Um, but yeah, no, I'm just, uh, I'm constantly working on it because I know if I don't, I know the second I stop, um, I'm going to go downhill um, and fast, but yeah, I would say overall I'm ready. I mean, I think I'm in a definitely in a better mental state than I was last year to compete. And then obviously just like, 
was like dealing with like knee issues and um, just like back problems and stuff. I had a lot more time to like go do like physical um, therapy for that and like chiropractic massages. Um, so I think I'm like in a better state, like also physically and just like um, with my conditioning um, wise. So yeah, I think I think I, I think I'm more prepared than I definitely was last year. Last year, last year was kind of like a train wreck, but. I think we're <laughs> I'm doing a lot better this year I would say well, that's awesome to hear well it's also it sounds like in, in talking to in talking to Dave and talking to your coach that you figured out what your why was and your why is is really being that role model like being being in a lot of ways the person that maybe you wanted to be able to talk to when you were a little girl is that kind of does yeah. that sound right yeah, because like I said, like I never, um, like growing up, I had never, like I never really saw people with disabilities, um, especially like people with disabilities that looked like myself, um, and I never, like I was always in able-bodied sports. My mom never really like coddled me um, at all. Like I, if my brothers were doing the dishes, I was too. Like mowing the lawn, um, whatever else needed to be done, um, and so like. I had never had limitations placed on me, so I didn't place them on myself. Um, but yeah, I still never had like anybody with a disability to look up to. And I think like that, I think that's part of the reason too why like I just never knew about the Paralympics. You know, like I think it's important that like we're like as as Paralympians and as older para athletes that we're like educating the youth on um like what's available out there for them to get involved in, you know, because not not every athlete with a disability or not every person with a disability um, wants to compete in the able-bodied sports world. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, the first time that I was like, the first time that I was uh, introduced to Paralympics was uh, when my, I was sitting on the couch and my uh, ex's dad wanted me to come and like watch something else on TV. He's like, Jay, come, come look at this, come look at this. And it was a, uh, it was Lex Gillette um, long jumping. So, and I thought it was like, so cool. I was like, oh my God, like, that's so cool. Like, what is this? Um, and there was, I think it was like a couple more commercials of like some amputees running. Um, and then I don't, it kind of came full circle because now Lex is like one of my like closest friends in the pair world. Um, but yeah, so I never knew, but I, but I like think about like, if I were to know someone that was like, uh, that had a disability or like was in the para world like when I was younger how how much sooner I could have been involved in it um and yeah I just want like younger younger girls especially with disabilities to like look up and like uh know that they're like capable of something bigger than themselves and that they don't have to like they don't have to succumb to like all these like ideas and stereotypes that are placed on them from society or from their parents I've had I've had girls DM me that are like um, a little bit younger than me and like asking me like do you drive do you have your license I'm like well yeah like you know like I just I mean mine is on my right mine is on my left side so it like it works but like there's so many different ways that I've seen people with disabilities drive you know and it's like but some people don't have like their license and stuff because their parents have told them like no you cannot drive like you are disabled which like is like a terrible thing to say to somebody like you know like placing limitations on them simply because um they're different um so like yeah i'm here to tell people like you can do it like you can do anything that you put your mind to you might have to do a little bit differently but it's still possible definitely um does that empower you to to be, to be teaching teaching them you know like to be a role model does that empower you to live more powerfully as as Jaylene as Jumpin' Jay yeah uh yeah I yeah I definitely think so I um I think that yeah I just like I always and I I even have like a group of girls not like necessarily they're not necessarily all together but like groups of uh girls in like different areas um that like are like that message me if they have like a question or like want to talk or um you know I've had like like girls going through stuff at like 10 o'clock at night and they're like call me like hey Jaylene like this is going on I don't know what to do you know um whether it be like about track or about mental health um because I'm very like open about both on social media of course um sure. and so 
so yeah and then like when that happens um when you're when it's like hands-on and you're actually seeing like somebody that you're like impacting um in a positive manner uh that's like it's super motivating and like every time that happens it like reminds me why I do track like if I if I start to like slip and I like and I'm like losing sight of why I'm doing it um that like gives me a little like booster um and I'm like okay I'm like this is why I'm doing it um it helps you through your difficult times I mean you're helping yeah. other people but it helps you through your difficult times too yeah definitely yeah because I mean I used to I used to wonder why, um, why like I had to go through certain things or why like that happened to me. Like, what did I do to like deserve that happening to me or to my family or whatnot? Um, and the way that I've like come to peace with it is just like, I might not ever understand why, but I like give my, my, I give myself a why and my why for things happening is so that I can help somebody else that has gone through that exact situation. I've been through so many different situations and so many different like um with like just within my family and within my community like I've seen so many different things that I can help people with so many different types of issues um and talk to them about it and so that's just like gives me peace with like things that I've been through that like okay now I've been through this and I can help someone else with it um so yeah and gives you kind of that positive momentum moving forward in a lot of ways yeah who are you looking at getting back to the running and and the jumping who are who are your biggest competitors in um, so there is a um chinese athlete uh that i compete against in long jump and i have been second to her in the world since 2017 um we're the only two athletes in our class to jump over five meters so she's definitely my biggest competitor for long jump. Um, and that's when is that her name? Yeah. Yep. I don't know how to pronounce her last name, but yes. And it's like, uh, it's, it's, uh, I mean, I'm never like, I'm never that like mean girl to her competitors. Um, but she, but she's like, it's hard to even like, obviously I like have like a fire, like letting me to get gold and like, to 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 beat her but it's like it's hard to like um be like not angry with her but like just like it's hard to like be so so competitive with her because she's so sweet like she's i i have to like we don't understand each other's languages but like when we're in the call room she'll just like all she does is smile at me and like afterwards she'll give me a hug and so i think it's a lot easier when like someone is like mean or like <laughs> like they're like just give you like bad looks after your race or whatever but yeah she's like the nicest like competitor like outside of the usa that i've ever like went up against um but yeah that's funny I, yeah, no, I'm definitely, definitely coming after her this time. Um, definitely, yeah, motivated to, to finally get gold. Um, and then for my 100 and 200, um, the French girl that I was speaking about earlier, um, she's uh, one of my main competitors. I think she actually holds the record right now. Um, I think it sits at like a 13-1. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's a couple other Chinese athletes um, in that mix too. And they kind of go, um, they're not really on the, the, they're not on the world rankings list right now, which I think is pretty common. Like they kind of like um, stay like incognito and then like, just like show up, which is, I mean, I think it's cool, but um, yeah, they're, they're, they're very, they're very talented. Chinese There's some surprises potentially. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Well, this is great. Thank you. Thank you, Jillian, for, for, you know, talking us through how you got into Paralympics, how you're, you know, how you're, how you're making sense of, of, of life in general and, and continuing to grow and get better. I mean, it's kind of like the athlete side of it is similar to the mental health side where you, you have to have those minor victories and keep, keep building on them and also have the why that you're doing it and, and being a role model and being that resource for so many other people and the younger people coming through both has to has to help them immensely but it seems like it's it's helping you too so thank you so much for all of what you're doing yeah you're so welcome thank you so much for having me yeah this has been great fun yeah. i look forward to watching you compete 
in Tokyo. I'll get a chance to talk about it. So this will be fun. I'll be doing some of the broadcasts for NBC. So, yeah. so I'll get to watch you run and jump and hopefully fly, right? Yep. <laughs> awesome. Well, this will be great. Thanks to all of you for tuning in. As usual, if you didn't catch the whole interview podcast, you can go to the One Revolution page. It will be archived there. We will also edit this into a traditional podcast. It'll be on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. As usual, our greatest, the greatest thing you can do for us, the greatest gift you can give us is to tell your friends, to follow us, to like us. So we'll continue to bring you great content. Hopefully you guys will keep tuning in. Thanks a ton. Thanks, Jaylene. See you soon. Thank you so much.